Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. All right, good morning again, everybody. Why don't you turn to two or three people, let them know how cute they look today. Come on, say. So those, those eyebrows are on fleek. Come on. Like, you've been moisturizing. Amazing, amazing. We're all turned up. It's that extra hour of sleep, isn't it? You didn't know how bad you needed one more hour of sleep until you get it. Uh, every November we join really hundreds of other churches, dozens and dozens of churches across South Florida, and we teach and preach on the same topics uh, for the month of November as we try to really rally everyone that we can to engage in mission. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be doing a Church United series called The Seat at the Table, and we're really excited about it. I want to kind of start with just a few quick stats that I think are really kind of kind of interesting, but, but a great opportunity for us. Currently, there's about 3% of South Florida are Christ followers. So, so actively following Christ, reading the Bible, connected to a church, you know, so 3%. But this is interesting, 70%, they did this massive survey here in South Florida, 70% are open to talking about Jesus, faith, and the Bible with someone. So 70% of the people are actively open, they, they're interested in, in learning more, and uh, 85% would come to church if a friend invited them. And so what we've figured out as leaders is like, here's the thing, like I can market on Google all day long, but you remain the greatest evangelistic tool our church will ever have. Because there is something about friendship, family, relationship that you have equity with somebody that, that an Instagram ad never will have, right? And so when somebody knows that you care about them and then you invite them, man, there is some, some weight to that, right? So we have, as a, as a body of Christ, we have as a church this incredible opportunity for the month of November and then into the Christmas season to reach people. And that's, that's what we want to go after. I want to say this. You know, our church is not an island here in South Florida. We're an archipelago. We are one of many, many different local bodies, but together we make up the church of South Florida. And so if you ask me how many churches are in South Florida, I would say one. There is one body purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and, and while the local church can fit into the kingdom of God, guess what? The entire picture of the kingdom of God cannot fit into our local church. But we can fit into the kingdom of God right? It is, it's our work together. Um, we are not in competition with anybody else. We're in completion. Uh, there's different flavors of ice cream for a reason. I myself, I love cookies and cream. I can pound a half a gallon of cookies and cream ice cream, y'all. I could have a six-pack if God never invented cookies and cream ice cream but it is my kryptonite, my wife will tell you. Every Friday night, we have pizza popcorn movie night in our household, and we get ice cream, and I love it. I let myself go for one, one cheat meal, and, and it's awesome. And I discovered, you, ever, you ever, ever had Tillamook ice cream? Okay, this is not a paid sponsorship, but Tillamook is good stuff. It's like out of Portland, and it is, it's ridiculous. But some people like, you know, mint chocolate chip. Some people like butter pecan. There's different churches are created for different reasons to attract different kinds of people. But how many of you know it's the same Lord? The blood of Jesus is what everybody needs, regardless of what kind of church or style they go to, right? 
And so we, as the greater body of Christ, and as leaders this month, we want to share some things, and we would encourage, hopefully, every believer we, we possibly can to, to go down this avenue, okay? Uh, if you have your Bibles or the Bible episode, we're going to Luke chapter 7. And so our text uh, this weekend is going to be from Luke chapter 7. Everybody is going to be uh, teaching on Luke chapter 7. We'll also have it up here on the screen, and uh, we, can, we can go together. It's a little longer, a little longer than what I normally do, so uh, hang, hang with me, Okay. And uh, the title of this portion of scripture is called Jesus is Anointed by a Sinful Woman, right? So here we go. I love this, this passage. Verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. He said, you've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Anthropologist Mary Douglas said, meals send messages. Meals send messages. Meals are for family, close friends, honored guests. The meal expresses close friendship. Just kind of imagine with me on some of your like more like memorable meals this last year. Maybe you could think back to like a year ago, last year's Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner, or a New Year's or Valentine's or maybe a family meal that you've had recently when all the family came together and the cousins and the crazies. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's vibrant. And so, but meals send messages, don't they? They often preach friendship and hey, who's, who's in, who's coming to the party, and, you know, or family, and like there's a celebration, or there's a, a mood, there's, there's conversation, right? My wife is Italian. I remember the first, when we were dating, I remember going to some of her family meals, and I'm like, these are very different than my family meals, right? They, they were loud and exciting, and I'm from like a quiet German-English family. You know, most of my neighbors are Amish growing up, so everything was quiet and calm. And when I got around her Italian cousins and, you know, they're like having a little wine and then they have a big argument and they have some more wine and lasagna. And I'm like, if I talked to my cousin like that, we wouldn't talk for 20 years, you know, like it's just very different. Like it's just completely different culture and and experience. And but meals, they preach, don't they? What's interesting in the Gospel of Luke is Luke mentions a number of meals that Jesus has. And he sets this passage, he sets the table in a sense with this table and this get-together. And there's three main characters, right? You've got Simon the Pharisee, you've got Jesus, and you've got this woman. And, and this passage just kind of sets this table and there's messaging going on in this passage. And so I had them bring up a table and a few chairs because I wanted to kind of 
You know, if you do illustrations, people remember a little bit better. And so I wanted you guys to have a thing. It's been said, and I think this is very true, that everyone sees where they sit in life. That what your, your seated position is in life kind of determines what you see. And we all do this, right? We all have a lens on that we look at life through. You know, I'm grateful. I've got pretty good eyesight. My wife does not. And she has to wear very, very thick glasses. And, and if I put them on, it like really hurts my, it's like skews my eyesight, right? And we all have these lens on. We have these pair of glasses on. And where I'm seated in life changes the way that I, that I look and what I'm looking at and what I see. And Simon, I find this very interesting. Simon, he's a Pharisee, right? So he kind of fundamentally believes that if I keep the law and I do everything right, that then I am made right with God. In other words, in a simple format, my works create my righteousness with God. We have something similar in America. If I am a good enough person, the big man upstairs will let me in. Everybody does a little bit of bad, but you know I'm not Hitler, so if I'm a good person, God will let me in, right? And so he's got this ideology. He's got this religion, this philosophy inside of his mind. He's seated at the table, and he sees, he's coming from this perspective, and he invites Jesus into his house, and, and he's actually sitting across the table from Jesus, and he's seated there, and he's trying to decide who is this Jesus? Is this Jesus a prophet? Is he a good guy? Does he deserve to be at my table? He's curious about Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong being curious about Jesus, right? Today, if you're in here and you are curious about who Jesus is or what Christianity is all about, hey, we welcome you. Like, you're not in trouble. You can belong before you believe if you need that. It's okay to be curious about Jesus. I think most of us start out with a little bit of curiosity. What is this whole thing about? I remember when I was in high school, and one of my friends, his name is Josh. He's a teacher now. He's a history teacher. But he played basketball. He was a couple years older than me. And I just thought he was a really cool guy. And we just kicked off a friendship, and he told me he was a Christian. And I remember I kind of like swore in my mind because I was like, I did not expect him to be a Christian. Up to this point, all the Christians I knew were like 90 years old, you know? And I, I grew up in like in a Lutheran, you know, old school context. And so we sang songs in German and everything was like very, like I couldn't relate to anything. And I found somebody, I was like, man, this is really cool. I'm like, why in the world would you be a Christian? It made me, guess what? Curious. I was intrigued because I, I thought I had a picture. I had a lens of what I thought Christianity was, he showed me something a little different, a little unique. And so Simon is just curious. Is Jesus a good guy? Is he a prophet? Does he deserve to be at my table? Should this conversation continue? Is there, is there something for me in this relationship? And then he watches this whole thing happen. What's interesting about that word in the Greek, I'm not going to go into all of it, but it means somebody whose life is dedicated to sin. It's a strong word. When it says that she was a sinful person, it's like, yo, this is somebody the community knows is like, like not going the right way. And he sees this happen, and in his mind, in his ideology, he's like, okay, clearly he is not who I thought he was. Because if he was a good person, watch this, he would have never let this unclean person touch him. 
And so in his mind, he writes off Jesus. Now, how terrifying would it have been in that moment to think the thought, and then Jesus is like, hey, let me tell you something. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. The Bible even talks about like all of our thoughts one day will be judged. Now, don't go home paranoid and be like, oh, God, I got to clean up my thought life, Jesus. Like, work, on, work on me, Jesus. But he discredits him because of his ideology. You know, I think a lot of people right now have an ideology, and they're trying to decide if Jesus is good enough for their ideology. We live in a generation where a lot of people are curious about Jesus, but we're looking at him through the lens of our ideology, our own new 2023 religion. How does Jesus match up to my ideology? Is he deserving to be at my table? Does he have something to offer me at my table? So he's got this religious lens on. I kind of want to make my first point. Religion's response to sinful behavior is rejection. That's a little deep. If you've been saved for five plus years, that'll sink in a little bit. Religion's response to sinful behavior is rejection. Okay? In a nutshell, religion cannot change and transform the human heart, and so religion's response to sinful behavior is rejection, right? Ideologies are in some form of way, they're they're their own kind of religion. They're their own kind of philosophy. And so if I have somebody that doesn't agree with me, the temptation is to just reject them. I can't change them. I have no hope in changing their heart, so I'll just reject them. Look at this, though. Jesus' response to sinful behavior is redemption. Redemption. A lot of us are new to the faith in the last six months to a year, and so that's kind of a Christian word. Let me unpackage redemption a little bit, because if I just say it without explaining it, I might lose a portion of us today. So let me slow down a little bit. Redemption in its simplest form simply means to buy back or to buy out. And so you could imagine in an ancient culture, one of the ways it was used in a common way was if you had a family member that got into debt and they got into trouble, sometimes they would sell themselves as a slave to try to work off that debt. And so they didn't, they didn't have like credit cards back then. They didn't have courts the way we do now. And so if you got behind financially and you got in debt and you couldn't pay it back, then you could kind of sell yourself into slavery and then try to work that debt off. But to be redeemed, you know, you have another family member and they're like doing well financially and they're like, hey, you know, like you don't owe me any money, but you owe them money, but I love you and I want you to be free. So I'm going to redeem or buy out what you owe and purchase your freedom back. You'll see where this is going, okay? So what God did in Jesus is like, hey, My people who I love, who I want in my family, they're trapped in something, and so I'm going to go get them, and I'm going to go pay for them and bring them back into the family and give them freedom again. The benefits of our redemption really fast include eternal life, Revelation 5, forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1, righteousness being made right with God, Romans 5. Freedom from the curse of the law, Galatians 3. Adopted into God's family, what a beautiful thought, Galatians 4. Deliverance from bondage, Titus 2. Peace with God, Colossians 1. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. To be redeemed then is to be forgiven, holy, justified, freed, adopted, and reconciled. What is Jesus' plan for our sin? It's redemption. 
It's the forgiving, the cleansing, the removing, and then the bringing back of the position that you lost, right? In other words, Jesus saved you a seat at his table. See, the woman was not invited to the table. Religion cannot invite sin to the table, but Jesus is saying, I've made space for you at my table. Do you remember back in high school or college, hopefully not just two weeks ago, but did you ever have a friend group that didn't make space for you? Have you ever not been invited to a party that you kind of wanted to go? You ever had a friendship in your life you thought you were tired than what you actually were <laughs> in reality? And you're like, how come I didn't get invited to that? I thought we were close. Like, you know, nobody else? Okay, what liars, whatever. <laughs> you know, just, it's just you, Pastor. It's just you. Okay? So we all know what that feels like not to be invited to the table. Right? Not to be maybe included. We thought we were there, but maybe we didn't get the inclusion we thought we were going to get. Right? But also, have, have you ever been in a room or at a table that you, you knew in your head you shouldn't have been at? Like, you ever had the opportunity to sit with people that are, like, way, way above your pay grade? Like, I've been in some rooms and some tables where I'm like, I am the most insignificant person here. Like, and I know it. Like, nobody's got to ask. Nobody's got to pull out the IGs. Like, I know that I should not be in this room. And so I'm just going to listen, you know. To me, one of the most moving portions of this passage is this woman knows she's not supposed to be at the table. But she's not aiming for the table. She's going for his feet. I know I'm not supposed to be at a good table. But I'm not after the table. Jesus, I'm trying to get to you. Simon invited him because he's curious. But this woman had been changed. It's okay to be curious about Jesus, but when you've been changed by Jesus, things shift. You see, for those of us who have been changed by Jesus, there is a reaction that goes on in our soul. And do you know what it is? It's worship. It's okay to be curious, but when you've been changed, something happens on the inside of me. And I realize I shouldn't be at the table. I shouldn't have a seat at this table. And so I'm going to give up on the table, but I just want you, Jesus. A lot of people are curious in 2023, but is there anybody that has been changed by Jesus? Could you just say, what's up, God, really fast? Thank you, Lord, because if you've been changed by Jesus, worship becomes my reaction. I know I've lost my good place, but I've been changed, and I want to worship you. I've been altered, God. I've been altered. I shouldn't be here, but thank you. We shouldn't have the favor on our lives that we have, but how many of you are grateful? We shouldn't be adopted into God's family and get his goodness and receive his blessings and abundance and his love, but we have. She has a revelation. Simon has questions, but she has a revelation. 
She knows who Jesus is. Simon's trying to decide if Jesus is good or not. She knows Jesus is God. And the moment you see him as God, the moment you see your sin for what it is and you see your Savior for who he is, worship. That's all you can do. The moment you're like, God, I see you for who you are and I see myself for who I am. I thought I was trying to make you fit in my ideology, but now I see you are God. And so all I can do is worship because I can't give you anything other than my worship and my heart, and that's all you ask for anyway. Wow. You know, the Bible says that obeying God, man, it's like a reasonable sacrifice. You're like, no, it's not, until you realize how much has been done for you. When you realize what he did and what he forgave and he went to the cross, then you're like, well, hey, listen, my whole life is on the table, then fine. Like, go ahead. Because what you've done for me, what I will do for you will never compare to what you have done for me. And you realize how much you've been forgiven. Here's what I love about Jesus, last seat of the table that I, I want to talk about this morning. So you have Simon's perspective, is Jesus good? You have the woman's perspective, I know Jesus is God. And I know I don't belong at the table, but I'm just going for him. I just worship. But then you have Jesus. He's sitting at the table. And watch this. He sees two kids that he loves. One is bound by religion, still trying to work his way to heaven. And the other one is probably overcoming some shame and some guilt and just dealing with their sin, right? Watch this. Jesus forgives her, loves her, receives her. Man, have you ever felt unworthy to worship? You ever just felt unworthy? Like, God, I really am stupid sometimes. Like, I, please forgive me. Like, and Jesus receives her worship. He, her sin doesn't disqualify her worship. That is a beautiful, beautiful thought. That's a beautiful thought. But he also fields Simon's questions. He doesn't say, Simon, like, I'm out of here. Jesus is not petty. If you're hurting, he's got a big chest. You can pound on it a little bit. You got some questions, take it to him. You got some concerns, take it to him. You got some frustrations, take it to him. I don't think you're going to bring anything to Jesus that hasn't already been brought in the last several thousand years. Jesus is really, really good at transforming the human life, so I don't see why he would turn you away to. Right? He saved both of them a seat at the table. See, Simon thought it was his table. Jesus is like, listen, this whole thing, top to bottom, the universe, the earth, everything, it's actually mine. But I saved you, Simon, a seat at my table. I'm willing to come to your house and field your questions and talk to you. So today, maybe you're curious. Maybe today you're just bound by some shame and guilt. I, I don't know. I don't know where you're at today. But I believe with all my heart Jesus has saved a seat at the table for you. Really quick, with this, all eyes closed for a moment, all heads bowed. This morning, if you heard this and you're like, yo, something blew up inside of my heart, Pastor. I don't know how to explain that and you want to come to Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus, you want a seat at this table, the forgiveness of sins, the newness of life, a fresh start. Would you just lift your hand this morning really quick? I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Thank you. This is like nine hands are going up this morning. I love this. Let's all say this prayer together so nobody feels alone. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving a seat for me. Would you forgive my sins, make me new, 
God be my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys give it up for like the nine people that just raised their hand this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus, remember that we're all the woman at his feet. None of us deserve to be at his table, but he's made a seat at the table for us. And so remember your story. Remember where you came from. You know, when you and I remember where we came from, it gives us a whole lot of grace for where other people are at. Because what happens is you you get saved for like 10 years, and then you start getting petty when other people have problems because you forgot where you came from. And when you and I remember where we came from, it's like, well, okay, God, I do have grace for them because... I don't belong at this table either. And so the body of Christ is asking you this month, remember your story. Remember where you came from. Remember what God saved and rescued you from. Uh, Number two, thank God for your story. Everybody's story is unique. Everybody's story is really quite beautiful. Like whatever you, you went through, you're not the only one. And I believe Jesus redeems every story. And sometimes God will let you go through pain so you can help other people who are in pain. Nobody likes to go through painful things, but you know what? When you go through painful things, it like automatically relates you to everybody else. One of my favorite quotes is, you lead people through your strengths, but you relate to them through your weaknesses. And we, when we begin to relate and we have compassion, so thank God for your story. And the last one, and this gets us ready for next week, would you join us this week and would you begin to pray for our city? Would you begin to pray that God, listen, there's something about the prayer of the saints, the prayer of people. Every move of God was preceded by prayer. And would you begin to pray for South Florida that God would move in in the city? Wouldn't it be cool in our generation if it went from like 3% to like 13%? What would it look like for 10% more to come into faith in Christ? Wouldn't that be like wildly beautiful? So would you pray? And next week we're going to teach and preach on prayer, okay? All right, thank you guys. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.